Hey, hey, and welcome into the Big Ten Huddle. We have got a lot going on in the Big Ten to talk about. We've got Zach with us again from Big Ten Football Talk. Uh, it, it's it's like podcast expansion here with Zach. He, he's over at Big Ten Football Talk, but he's also doing it here. So, Zach, do you want to comment on the podcast expansion uh, that's going on right now uh, between us and you? Uh-oh. You there, Zach? Yeah. So I, I am excited. I'm ex- excited to. Sorry. I, I, um, hold on, guys. Okay. We'll go to Mike first. Mike, your first time joining us from Buckeye Bar Talk. How you doing tonight, man? I'm good. Uh, nice to join everybody. Uh, excited. Uh, like we were talking in the off show, you know, Buckeye Bar Talk, we've been around for a couple years now. Uh, so looking forward to joining the Big Banter Sports here and uh, looking forward to tonight. Excellent. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. We're going to definitely talk about some Ohio State Buckeyes and uh, get into that. Zach, you good now? Yeah, I <laughs> I made a, a rookie faux pas. I had the YouTube video up while we also had the other live stream up. <laughs> Good job. Uh, I'm, no, I'm glad I wasn't the one to do that. Yeah. No one By ever said I'm now joining was easy. this podcast <laughs> and I make mistakes like that. Uh, yes. But, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, Zach is the new co-host of this podcast. He'll be on for the football episodes, uh, at least for uh, the time being, as long as it's not too much for him to do both his Big Ten football talk and this. So, Zach, we're glad to have you on. Uh, you want to? How are you doing tonight? Yeah, I'm excited. I love I love the lineup, and I I think Jr. I'm excited just to partner with you more in this endeavor. And uh, you know, I I I love talking ball. I love talking about particularly the just the ins and outs of college football and the Big Ten. Uh, I grew up around it, and uh, you know, we've gotten to be on each other's shows, and now just getting to work more closely together. I'm really excited about it. So. Thanks for the opportunity. Glad to have you here. And we have Spartan Dog, also known as SD from Bacon Wire. Spartan Dog, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, JR. Glad to have you here. We are going to be talking a lot of college football news and information tonight. We're going to get into Washington. We've been talking about USC, Oregon joining the Big Ten, what are our expectations for them. We've also been talking about some teams' off-seasons. Well, PFF declared their champion for the off-season, so we're going to talk about who that is, and then we're also going to talk about some conference expansion stuff. We're going to get into all that. But our first topic to get into before anything else is we get into Josh Pate's playoff expansion criticism. Josh Pate has been pretty vocal with his criticism, and I know Zach wanted to talk about this. So, Zach, why don't you go ahead and summarize for us what Josh Pate has been talking about over there? Yeah, and I think I may there might be disagreement here. I love Josh Pate. And so I think when he speaks, I think I, I really appreciate a lot of the wisdom he drops. And I think when he speaks, he brings a lot of knowledge, but sometimes I think he goes maybe a little too far. And so one of the things he was talking about in his playoff criticism was this idea that the wrong people are making decisions about college football. He's saying he's afraid that the the regular season is going to be a diminished and that the people that have sold us on playoffs and even further playoff expansion, uh, that they are selling us the wrong things and that they're selling uh, 
playoff expansion to people who originally never wanted a postseason and never wanted a, a true champion. And so that's, that's a, I think best summarizes what he was talking about is particularly the wrong people are making the decisions and that they have influenced us into thinking we want something that we actually didn't want. That's very interesting. Uh, Mike, let's kick it to you first. Uh, in terms of the playoff expansion, people making the decisions, obviously kind of on the line of what Josh Pate is talking about. Do you think there's something seriously wrong with college football right now? Well, yes and no. I mean, I do think – I shouldn't even say yes. I, I, I think college football was definitely – inevitably going this way i mean it's kind of been i would say it's been in the writing for the last 20 years i mean you could argue well into the bcs period that we knew we were going into a playoff and then eventually going into a playoff and eventually it was going to be an expanded playoff i think where i get where some of his points are i think and just from listening to some of the some of the videos i listened to today is i do maybe think that there maybe that I think he's a little concerned maybe on some of the is the media are they pushing maybe a little too much and stuff like that but you know these brands I mean ESPN Fox I mean this is where all the money is at so you, I mean they're going to do what makes them money and I mean I don't think there's a way that you can argue past that is that you know they they feel like that this is what fans want and uh when you've seen over the last couple years I mean College football has supplanted every professional sport in this uh, country outside of the NFL. I mean, it's a clear one and two who what the top two sports are, and that's NFL and college football. And there's not really a close to beating out college football right now. So I think we're a football country. I mean, there's there's no way to argue that, and that's what the people want. And I, I mean, I've wanted. I've been nervous about uh, what some of these changes could be. I mean, I'm, I am I started really religiously watching it back in 95, and so I've been there for a while now. And so I get where a lot of these people are coming from when they, you know, the, a lot of the traditions have went, you know, away. But I don't know. I'm, I'm to the point, I think that you got to try to balance it as best as possible. But, uh, you know, I do agree with uh, – him in parts and i disagree with him in parts yeah it makes sense i want to go to the chat real fast and get some opinions before we go to sd here brian and um, please let us know what your thoughts are in the chat we like to vocalize what people are saying so that way we can give our thoughts and also just add to the conversation as well brian is telling us without a playoff championships are arbitrary a playoff is the only way to determine a true champion i, I I agree with this. I think that, you know, we, we look at some of the AP polls and things like that in the history. I mean, and, you know, one of the most notable ones for Ohio State fans and Michigan fans is the 1997 and Nebraska fans as well, where Michigan had basically every single poll except for one that Nebraska had. And it's like, you know, what is a Nebraska one tenth champion and, you know, Michigan is a nine tenth or something like that. You know, like it, it's one of those things with a playoff system now, it's much more uh, easier to be able to actually crown the champion. SD, going to you on kind of the the Josh Pate thought here. Do you agree with him that there is something seriously wrong with college football, either into the decision makers or what's going on with playoff expansion right now? Uh, normally, I'm something of a Josh Pate hater. I find his uh, poorly written Cohen brother side character shtick a little annoying. Uh, but you know, the blind squirrel found a nut on this one. The root of the problem 
with all of this is that the people in charge of college football could not care less about, about college football. They could, they couldn't care less about the rivalries. They couldn't care less about the traditions. They couldn't care less about anything other than numbers on a spreadsheet. Okay. And, you know, I'm excited for these new big 10 teams to come in. I think it's going to make football more interesting, but you know, I'm also a college graduate. I can't help but think of the track and field athletes who are going to have to travel across the country on a Tuesday night to compete for, for a Wednesday meet. I mean, this is ridiculous. The people in charge do not care about college athletics. They care about numbers on a spreadsheet. It's only going to get worse. The NCAA is completely toothless. Anytime they try to hand down any ruling, state AGs step in and ensue and win. Congress has no interest in giving the NCAA an antitrust exemption. So it's just going to keep spiraling out of control until the entire system collapses. So, you know, that may be a doomer, doomer opinion, but I don't really see a way that the genie can go back in the bottle here. I mean, the PAC 12 isn't coming back, right? The, you know, we're not going back to, we're not going back to these regional conferences. So we need to figure out how to make this the most sustainable product it can be. And, you know, this 14 team playoff that's being floated is ridiculous. I don't like it. I think it's, I think it's bullshit. And I'm not sure what, what else to do. I agree with the structure of the playoff. I think 12 teams is great. I think the I think the quarterfinals should also be home games for the for the top rank, for the top seeded team. I think that's probably going to change once they once these teams see these home environments for these first round playoff games. But yeah, the people in charge of college football don't care about college football, and that's the main issue. They're not thinking about what's best for the sport. They're thinking about what's best for shareholder value, and that's always going to be worse. For the for the people involved and for the consumer, yeah, friend of the program uh, Jackson here. The playoff field should be eight or sixteen. It shouldn't be at twelve or fourteen. I agree, uh, and SD, I agree with a lot. Basically, everything you said too. It doesn't make any sense to have a fourteen team playoff. I mean, you have these these weird buys and things like that going on. I much rather prefer an eighteen playoff that actually will you know has some seating that's that's well that's well structured on each side something that has been talked about josh pate mentioned it a little bit and it's something that i actually posted about because from what i've heard behind the scenes this is kind of the way things are going is that we're probably going to see the sec and the big 10 get to 20 to 24 teams each they're probably both going to get their pick from the big 12 and the acc to get there and there will most likely be a four pod system in each conference, which will then create a kind of mini playoff, basically what you see in the NFL, where you have the the NFC and the AFC on each side, and the champion of each will come into the middle and play for the national championship. Zach, your thoughts on that system, and I, like I said, Josh Pate mentioned it a little bit, but it was kind of scarce, uh, on, on that system and his thoughts on it as well. What were your thoughts? Yeah, well, I think these... SD, I appreciate where you're going because I think what you're what you're talking about, and I think what we're all talking about, is that college football. 
I think has is fundamentally flawed. And I think part of the problem has been the landscape has shifted for so long from what it was to what it is now. So, I mean, I cover high school football uh, in the falls and or here in Pennsylvania. And I mean, y- you talk about regional rivalries, you talk about uh, just knowing the local players and like, what's different from about that versus major college football is that it's regional. It's all about communities you're not talking about money. Certainly there are players that go on to major college for scholarships and whatnot, but like, it's much more about community and tradition and local rivalries. Whereas college football has really shifted over the past 30, 40 years. And I think rather than addressing that shifting reality as, as the product has become more popular and as more money has been thrown around there's been just, it, it's been like band-aids that they've tried to stick on it. So you had the BCS to determine a champion and then there was a flaw with the BCS. And then I think even as, as late as this past year, we saw the flaw of the 14 playoff, which is Florida state. But, but what that really exposed was that college football went from a regional product, which was about school pride and amateurism to really it's, it's the minor league system for the NFL. Like if we're really honest about what college football has become and it's been, it's been branded as amateurism and pageantry and tradition. And there's certainly elements of that. I'm not trying to say it's, that's all gone away, but that's not really the foundation of what it is anymore. We we lost the foundation for that when we had the first billion dollar TV deal. Mm. So because of that, there are perpetual problems because I think we often try to address college football as a regional product that's a college product when it hasn't been that in decades. And so I, I think what Josh Pate is trying to get at is that the wrong people are making decisions about college football. And I think part of the problem with that is that I think on one hand, I agree because I think what we miss about college football is like we we loved ESPN going on college campuses and Lee Corso putting on the the mascot head and getting the local community riled up. But then you're getting national championship games with with corporate sponsors and all that. And like they're they're trying to mix two worlds that don't mix. And so I think Josh Pate's application I I can understand it. I don't agree with it. But I think the problem is more nuanced than just, well, do this one thing and then it's fixed. Rather, I think I think part of it is you have to you have to recognize for what it's become. I, I think we're going to two conferences, just like the NFL, but it's the Big Ten and the SEC. I think we're going to the pods. And I think it's going to make a lot of people upset because it's not the college football we've grown up with. But I'm not sure we can go back to the college football we've grown up with. No, we can't. But what we can do is we can make college football the best product for what it is now. Part of that is going to be classifying the athletes as employees. That's a major, major thing that is going to grant a lot of latitude in reorganization, because right now schools are trying to have their cake and eat it, too. They're not going to be able to do that. They're going to have to split the pie that it's going to or this is just going to continue to spiral downwards. And the the unintended consequences of 
continuing to fight against this could be cataclysmic for for other student athletes, for campus life. This is, you know, for a lot of schools, college football is the heartbeat. A lot, you know, look look at applications when a team wins a national championship. They they skyrocket, right? Yep. Clemson's enrollment skyrocketed when, when they won that first national championship. Alabama, I visited Alabama pre-Nick Saban. It was a backwater hick town. You go to Tuscaloosa today, it's like, it's almost a metropolis. It's in, like college football drives so much. And, you know, we're not going to be taking care. We're not taking, we're not taking care of it. The people in charge aren't taking care of it. Right. When it goes to a national brand, they'll do the 48, 50 teams for a while, but then they're going to go, do we need Rutgers? Do we need Wake Forest? You know, ultimately it's just going to get trimmed and trimmed and trimmed until ultimately there's, you know, 30 teams. And, you know, I know for a fact, Michigan state's going to be on that chopping block at some point. So this, this is personal for me as, as an alumni of Michigan State, as a fan of Michigan State Athletics. Like, this is, this is super important that we, that we stop going down, that we have to find another way to figure this out and, like, make everyone happy because this is unsustainable. Yeah, and it, it brings you to the thought of, and I know Josh Pate has has mentioned this, as have others, and I think you know, I, I, if anybody's followed me on Twitter long enough, you know, I'm not the biggest Josh Pate fan in the world. However, I do think that he makes some good points, and he does articulate them uh, well in the way that he speaks. So I appreciate that. One thing, one point that he has made is that there needs to be some kind of commissioner for college football that is able to take care of all of these things. And I don't know who that would be. I don't know if that is an advisory board between the Big Ten and the SEC. I don't know if that is an athletic director swapping out every three or four years or something like that. I have no idea what that looks like. But to me, that would be what would make the most sense is instead of letting these TV companies, Fox, ESPN, (laughs) heck, even the CW (laughs) is in college football right now. Uh, Instead of letting all of these TV networks figure this out, uh, that we need somebody in charge who can actually care for the sport uh, and make it what it's supposed to be. So, uh, Mike, I'll kind of let you have the last word on this entire conversation. We'll move on. What do you think? I think that just uh, just going off a couple of things that um, some what some of the what both the other two were saying. I actually do think that I think the Big Ten and the SEC are kind of trying to be proactive right now with all this stuff. It's actually, I think they could be a little bit more proactive, but I think it's the most proactive I've seen ever. In con- I mean, college football, uh, college sports, and the NCAA, the conferences, all this in general. I mean, if you've been following this stuff for years, I mean, talk about kick the can down the road, you know, over and over and over and over again. It, it's nice to see that, you know, they are being a little bit more proactive. Athletes are going to get paid. I mean, they are going to become employees. I mean, anybody that understands the, you know, U.S. court system, I mean, that is coming. I mean, the, the NCAA has not fared well at all in any of these court cases. I mean, hell, the last time they went in front of the Supreme Court, they lost 9-0. to zero. And if anybody who follows politics, that doesn't happen that much. So, like, that uh, that everybody can agree on, you know, one thing. Uh, so, the NCAA is going to be uh, 
the next time they go in front of the Supreme Court, it's probably not going to be a good thing at all uh, for them. So I, I, I really do think the the Big Ten and the SEC is trying to be proactive because they know that the, these are going to be employees. And I think that's kind of why they're trying to separate themselves a little bit from the pack, because I think they realize that they're going to have to pay these kids and they're going to have to give them a share of the revenue. And I think that's probably why they're trying to expand so much. So to get the last couple brands in, um, I, I I do understand Spartan Dog's concern. I I, I get that he, you know, I, I would hate to see, you know, anything happen to you know Michigan State or Rutgers or any of these other the Purdue's of the of the conference. Part of me, I just, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the Big Ten and the SEC are safe. I think that. Basically, whoever got on those trains got on those trains, and that's just my opinion on it. And I think they made it in, and I think they're going to be in in that in that forty eight team, whatever it is. I think that there's a la- there's only a few ma- really major brands left when you think about like Notre Dame and Florida State and a couple other schools here and there. I think those are going to get picked up, and it, it, it does suck for somebody who loves watching college football as much as I do. Uh, you know, I have you know, surrounded with around me right here, I have four TVs down here and I watch a lot of games on Saturday and, uh, you know, and a lot of there's big 12, there's ACC, there's SEC. I mean, there, I got them all on and, you know, so yeah, it's, it's going to suck not getting to watch some of those games. Cause I am a college football junkie. I do like all that stuff and watching all the games. I, I get total enjoyment out of it. Um, but you know, times are changing on that and, you know, I'm just trying to stay positive on it and optimistic. Um, and I think that, but I, I do think the Big Ten and the SEC are probably going to force the issue. Uh, you know, I didn't think it was going to be sooner. I was definitely thinking it was going to be later, but I don't know. This is starting to seem like it's gotten some real momentum on it that, you know, the, by the 2026, when they go to redo that deal, I mean, it could be. You know, I, I think the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be trying to force a lot of different issues on those tables to some of these other teams and some, and some of these other conferences. Yeah. If I can just jump in real quick, yep. I, and I appreciate what you're saying, Mike. I want to I want to just circle back. JR, you were talking about we have we've got to get the power away from the TV execs and get a commissioner. That's so pivotal. I, and honestly, I think a lot of conference realignment would not have happened if you actually had a commissioner like being in charge. Because what it, I and I, I think Mike SD, you guys have mentioned it. We're we're just gonna I'm just gonna reiterate it. We're probably gonna say it every episode. The NCAA stinks. That's my like, and part of the reason why is they're so reactive. And so who jumps in? Well, it's TV execs. Well, like there's so many issues with that, like just the corrupt, like the potential for corruption, like ESPN owns the rights to the SEC and they own the rights to the playoff, like, and it's a playoff selection committee. There's a reason why people thought that Alabama, you know, was unfairly let in. And I'm not trying to like send any, any ideas that it was corrupt this year, but I like, you can see why people go there. And so like the sooner we get somebody to be more of an overseer, that's not a TV exec, the better. 
Yeah, uh, we have a lot of great comments in here. I wish we could get to all of them, but uh, I'll get to this one because it's most prudent for what we're discussing right now. We had something. It was called the NCAA. It was killed by greedy athletic directors from blue chip programs. Dave uh, could not have said it better myself. The NCAA was a greedy organization that was influenced by many other greedy athletic directors at at many different programs. But, uh, But at the end of the day, they failed at their job and it started with NIL and then it continued with the transfer portal. And now the NCAA has basically become irrelevant in many ways. And so uh, obviously they still hold some, you know, power in the game uh, from here and there. But as far as NIL goes, just look at the Tennessee case that's going on. And the, the NCAA has, has little to no power over NIL, things like that going on. And, it, it's it's time for a change. It's time for somebody to be in charge of college football who is just in charge of college football. We don't need somebody who's in charge of every athletic program out there. That That's too much. Just be in charge of college football because women's gymnastics is not the same as men's college football. Uh, not and That's not disparaging gymnastics. I think gymnastics, I mean, all of these Olympic sports are fantastic additions and something that college athletes need to participate in. But uh, But yeah, just it's not. It's not going well. So we'll move on from there. We'll get to our next portion. This is how will Washington do in the Big Ten? So we've been talking about some of these teams. We talked about Oregon, and we made many Oregon fans mad with that discussion. We talked about USC. We made many USC fans mad with that discussion because we're apparently not giving a proper uh, you know, insight into who their team is. And I get that. Later on, we'll have some USC, Oregon, Washington, UCLA people on to talk about their teams and tell us why we're wrong, I'm sure. However, I do want to start with this question, and, and uh, SD, we'll start with you. What are fair expectations for Washington coming into the Big Ten? They were just in the national championship. Is it fair for them to believe that they can be yearly contenders, maybe contenders every two to four years? Or are we looking at a situation where maybe they can for the Big Ten every five to ten years. What's your thoughts on that? Look, um, you know, for Washington, it is they're walking into the Big Ten in, in a tough situation, right? Uh, they they lose in the national championship game. Um, they lose their head coach to Alabama. In walks Jed Fish. Uh, I don't, you know, I think there was an expectation when Jed Fish took this job, he would bring. Uh, he would bring players from Arizona with him. Um, that's not what happened. Um, a lot of those Washington players decided, a lot of those Arizona players decided to stay. Um, Washington is losing a ton of talent that was pivotal with in their, in their kind of ascendancy, reascendancy to the pinnacle of the sport. You know, Michael Penix, um, Jalen Polk, uh, Roma Dunze, uh, you know, all those guys are, Jalen McMillan, they're all gone. So, you know, they ha- they're losing a ton on defense as well. You know, I don't I don't know what, you know, yearly contenders, I'm not sure. I think that depends on that depends on what the appetite is at Washington for NIL post Kalen DeBoer. Uh, but you know, I think walking into next year, looking at their schedule, walking in expecting to expecting to be in that in any Indianapolis, I think, is a bit short-sighted. Yeah, that's uh, interesting to think about next year, especially considering they've lost even more talent than Michigan has after this year. Uh, I think they have similar returning production. However, 
uh, I would say the talent pool of Michigan, obviously they won the national championship was greater and uh, Michigan was able to play some of their younger guys to the point uh, to get them experience. Zach, your thoughts on uh, Washington yearly contenders every two to four years, five to 10 years. What do you think? I I think to put it in context, Washington has always has done better with a big time head coach, which is like, well, does Zach. Um, but I, I think to put it in context, Chris Peterson did pretty well. I think it was, he was like 60 and 30, something around there, 56 and 33, something like that. Uh, Kalen DeBoer was amazing, 25 and three. And then after that, it's a lot of mid to bad. And that includes Steve Sarkeesian, where his best season, I believe, was nine and four. He had a lot of seven and six seasons in there. Um, and then he left for USC. Uh, Rick Neuheisel had a good, you know, good year. They went to the Rose Bowl. But if you look at their conference championships in the Pac-10 slash 12, in the past 25 years, they've won four. 2000, 2016, 2018, 2023. I think there's a lot of recency bias because they've had a couple of really great head coaches and Kalen DeBoer and Chris Peterson. So I think a lot of people might assume that, oh, they're easily a top five team in the conference and will compete immediately. SD makes a great point. Like their entire offense is gone. And I think to add on to that, I think maybe the the program expectation is probably a little too high to say that they're going to compete every couple of years. I think once every five to seven years would be a great accomplishment. And again, I, I'm sure if Husky fans are watching, they're like, what, do you, what is this guy talking about? But the reality is they've won those conference championships in an era where, the, where USC has been down where Utah has been the, the really the competing program, them in Oregon. And so like, it hasn't been a super strong conference and that's when they've been able to elevate. And it's because they've also had superior coaching. So I, I have a hard time seeing them being a perennial contender, but I think with the right coach, which I don't think Jed fish is the right coach, by the way, but I think if they get the right coach, they can certainly compete every five to seven years. But I, I think that is the expectation. Yeah, no, I mean that what you're saying to me is, is a lot of my thoughts. We have some good comments here before we get to Mike really fast. Jackson says, I think Washington would do fine with Jed fish. I think fine is kind of that, that five to 10 is what you're talking about there. Uh, but wonder if fish is a job hopper, especially once Florida opens up or an NFL job opens. I agree, Jackson. That's my biggest concern for Washington as well. Uh, Brian Meyer says Washington will be a tier two program. They'll cat that'll occasionally compete for the big 10 a la Wisconsin. That's a interesting. And then he gives his tier one teams. We'll get into some tiers here in just a minute. Ohio state (laughs) cheat again. I will go ahead and say Michigan. Uh, (laughs) <laughs> and I realize that's difficult with the Ohio State logo next to me, but I try to I try to be unbiased. I'll let Mike be the biased one here tonight. Uh, <laughs> Penn State, USC, and Oregon. So uh, yeah, I, I I don't have all many issues with that. I ranked USC in kind of tier two, tier three last time, but I could definitely see from a program standard tier one. Uh, Mike, your thoughts on Washington? How often they will contend for the Big Ten? What's a fair expectation? Things like that. I think where I was leaning at, I think they're in that every four to five year range where they could really uh, 
you know, possibly make a move. I think the way I would describe them and they're going to have to get their NIL under control and they're going to make sure they have the right coach. So, you know, get good recruits in there and obviously, you know, hit the transfer portal when you have to hit it. The thing with the NIL is then to keep those guys as long as you can keep those guys, because I think the longer they can be kind of senior laden then every four to five years, you know, they could make a, sh- a run, you know, at the crown and the conference. My opinion on them coming in though, in general, kind of, and you know, and I, I think it's going to get really showed a lot this year, just because they're going to be so young um, that it's kind of like, you know, what you kind of think of like, I mean, I don't want to beat up on the old pac 12 as much as I'm going to, but it's, they just don't play defense out there. And I, I, you know, and I think everybody kind of gets caught up with, you know, they have some awesome, awesome offenses. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie, but everybody, people can get, start getting really caught up in them. You've seen it with Oregon in years past. You've seen it with USC at different times, especially post Pete Carroll. Um, you, you see it, I think with Washington now is that they're like, well, they're going to have this high flying offense and they're going to, they're going to do this, that, and everything against these slow big 10 teams. It's always slow big 10 teams. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Every time the, the big 10 team matches up against them, it seems like, uh, yeah, not only are they, uh, just as fast as the, the high powered uh, Washingtons and Oregon's and but they have uh they have bigger, faster, stronger guys on the defensive side of the ball and it really negates a lot of that offense. And then uh those teams just don't know how to deal with it. At least they didn't, you know, things can change. They're going to a new conference. I think they have to change their mindsets a little bit, but in years past, uh just especially in big games that were not, you know, not the Rose bowl is what the Rose bowl became, you know, when you played in playoff games and championship games, it just seems like those teams, uh, they weren't ready to play, you know, a big 10 school or an sec school. And because the sec schools and the big 10 schools could match them both offensively could match their firepower on offense, but had defenses that could stop them. And I just think that is going to really show itself this year. And I think that, I think, Oregon will be fine. I think I, I think that they've kind of changed a little bit of the culture in their program. But Washington, I, I just think they're in for a kind of a rude awakening, you know, come this season. It'd be interesting. I, I think it would have been really, really cool to see what they would have been this year in the Big Ten with everything else going on. And obviously, Big Ten had two teams in the national championship that are going to be in there this coming year so you know the big 10 if they would have had washington you know probably would have been the best conference in uh, all of college football this past year if they were there so uh so sd we'll start with you i have some tiers here this is just what i've compiled this isn't necessarily my opinion however i've looked up many different program tiers tiers for next year and this is kind of what i've compiled whether we agree on it or not let's talk mostly about washington but it seems like the consensus opinion is tier one seems to be ohio state oregon michigan Uh, tier two seems to be some combination of iowa penn state washington wisconsin tier three seems to be some kind of minnesota michigan state usc that was kind of strange to see USC that low, but that's kind of where a lot of people seem to have them. Tier four seemed to be more of the Maryland, Nebraska, Northwestern, UCLA, and then tier five, Illinois, Indiana, Purdue, 
and Rutgers. So that's kind of the opinion there. SD, if you were going to slot Washington into one of these tiers, kind of with some similar schools, where would you slot them in these tiers? I mean, I think tier two is is probably the right place for them. I mean, they lose they lose a ton of production um, on the offense and defense. That's something that's not talked about. The, they're losing a ton on defense, and I thought their defense was actually pretty good um, for most of the year. You know, it, it kind of stepped up in some moments when the offense was sputtering this past season. But you know, I it's just going to be there. Washington to me is kind of a mystery, right? Because they're going to be running a new offensive system. They're going to be running a new defensive system. They had Will, they had Will Howard coming in to replace Michael Penix. They don't have Will Howard anymore. Uh, or uh, not Will Howard, excuse me. Um, Mississippi Rogers. State's Will Rogers. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't have Rogers anymore. Uh, so there's just kind of a lot of there's a kind of lot of up in the air. It's not very clear who the who the quarterback's going to be. It's not very clear, you know, kind of who's moving up the depth chart um, after those three NFL wide receivers left. I think Jeremy Bernard is probably going to have a bigger role, mm-hmm. um, and you know Giles Jackson is going to be there. But yeah, it's just they're in tier two simply because of the unknowns, right? In they have. They have one of the tougher schedules, I think, of the Big Ten newcomers. I mean, you have to go, to, you have to go to Iowa City, to Happy Valley. You have to play. You, you get the championship rematch against Michigan. Um, you get USC. You know, it's not, it's not the easiest schedule. I don't think so. It's definitely they definitely have an uphill battle. It's going to be interesting to kind of see what Jed Fish does with this group and kind of, you know. What happens? What happened? Like uh, one of our, the commenters said, you know, what happens at Gainesville, and, and you know, what does Jed Fish kind of kind of move on for for Gainesville? That's that's mm-hmm. something that's interesting to note as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, you know, definitely think about that tier two area there, but they are kind of dependent on the right coach, and everybody knows that hiring the right coach is is a more difficult thing than. Than other times, and so I don't know how Washington fixes that. Whether they increase their salary or whatever it might be, but uh, coaches do seem to uh, go from there. But that's also, you know, because coaches are doing well there. So, uh, Zach, your thoughts on the tier system for Washington? Uh, try to give it to me a little quick here. I I would flip USC and Washington. I think I think Washington is tier three. So I, and I think people are tempted to put them tier two because of the recency bias, but I've, I think if you look at their trajectory and their, their history, I, I think tier three until proven otherwise. Yeah. It's interesting to think about there, Mike tier two, tier three, where do you land? I was actually going to say exactly pretty much what Zach said. I, I would more have USC in tier two. I think that as long as they get their defense under control that uh, with the recruiting ground there, that USC, the, they'll get them back in place. I'm kind of mixed between two and three with Washington. And I think it could kind of go either way. Um, so I'll say three for right now. I think that we'll see how they do after this year. I think this year will be a little rough on them, but so I'm going to, I'll say three for now. Watch Washington win the big 10. And we're like, Oh, remember all that time that we were like, they're going to be awful. Yeah. 
Uh, Scott's telling us here, Will Rogers is still at Washington. He didn't transfer. Uh, I don't, did somebody say that he was, that he was, I, I, I did. I assumed that he had transferred. Oh, okay. I, I didn't hear that. Sorry. Uh, I mean, I, I thought he, did, I saw he, went, he went back in and then he came back. So yeah, there were, there following was, the transfer pools nearly. Yeah. Impossible. There were yeah. several players who dipped in and Will Rogers was one of them, but then he came back out and that was after he transferred in from Mississippi yeah. state. So, okay. Yes. Thank you for correcting us there, Scott. Uh, and then Dave, I wanted to pull this up. I think that every PAC 12 team is going to have a hard time in the big 10 for a couple of years with the ex- with the exception of UCLA. Uh, we'll probably go a lot longer than just a couple of years. Okay. When I first read that, I thought he was going to say that <laughs> UCLA will be the best. And I was like, Whoa, I don't know. Okay, glad to clarify that. Big Deshaun Foster guy we got we got in the yeah. house. I, I think Oregon is going to be a tough out. Oregon's going to do the best, I think, out of all of them right yeah. away. Yeah, I think Oregon. I, I Actually, I'm expecting them to be pretty good this year. My prediction right now is Oregon and Ohio State in the uh, Big yeah. Ten Championship. That's my yeah. No bias at all, right? So <laughs> No bias. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Like we would have Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship game, huh? Yeah, exactly. Well, let's go ahead and talk about Ohio State winners of the offseason as decided by, well, PFF. So Pro Football Focus has put together uh, their champion of the offseason. They tweeted it out, and they have said that Ohio State is the winner of the – or they won the offseason as they – way they put it mike uh i try to be non-biased here but you feel free to be as biased as you'd like to be has ohio state <laughs> won the offseason yes they did win the offseason now does that mean anything no uh i want i would like to see them go back to winning the regular season um you know that's you know my opinion um but i'm gonna enjoy it while it happened i mean they had a they had a great i mean you want to talk about that month of January, well, December to January, when you think, uh, I mean, between losing to Michigan and then, you know, just what happened with Missouri and then, you know, you go from the low that you're at, you know, Michigan wins the national title, which has just then added the extra salt in the wounds that, uh, the, you know, that they, they, uh, they got all the way to the top of the mountain with that. But, you know, the biggest thing I think was the biggest win for Ohio state in the offseason. Everybody's talking about the transfers and Caleb downs. And those are all great. I mean, I loved every single one of those. The fact that they brought back the kids that they brought back. I mean, that basically all of them besides Marv and, uh, um, uh, uh, Mike Hall. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy to me that they were able to, you know, I, I, I know they circled the wagons with the NIL, but you know, to me, that's kind of what NIL really should be for. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of, if somebody's not ready to go to the NFL and stuff like that, you keep your guys on your team that have been there for you for how many years. And, you know, and I really think uh, by doing that, it's kind of like they, you know, they're kind of mirroring Michigan a little bit from last saw you think about they, all the guys that they ended up bringing back. And then, you know, they hit a couple guys in the transfer portal and, you know, you know, Ohio state lease has done that part. They, you know, they brought it back, you know, the guys that they brought back. Uh, so I'm really excited about that, uh, you know, and, you know, we'll see where it takes us, but I, I have nothing against any of the moves they made between the coaching staffs to the transfer portal, to, uh, and to the guys that they uh, brought back, you know, that are staying for another season. I mean, like, 
they kind of hit a home run on every single le- level. Uh, and, you know, and Ryan Day needs it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I was very emotional after the Missouri loss that, you know, he he's on the hot seat next year. I don't think he's on the hot seat next year, but I think that the, there's some things that could go wrong next year that with a new athletic director coming in that could make things kind of uh, kind of toasty there, um, especially with how testy the fan base can get with certain things. So I think that this was a this was a good boost to him to at least now push him into spring and to start getting ready for the season. Yeah, all good points. Um, we have a few comments here as this seems to be the topic that people are waiting for the most. I want to get here. Yankee Wolverine, please make a t-shirt for this. Gladly. <laughs> we'll reach out to Nebraska. They've been making t-shirts for like the past 10 years or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he also comes back. He says, has any college team ever had a better off season in all seriousness? Maybe the Cowboys when they traded Herschel Walker. Uh it, it's up there as one of the best. I mean, at least it's getting the fan base excited. So uh, definitely give him that. Brian Meyer says Ryan Day is building a juggernaut in Columbus. A lot of new pieces. He can get them to jail. They're going to be hard to beat. Need to upgrade the O-line, though. Yes, that is the biggest piece, especially you know with the lines that Michigan has been able to put out there. You have to have something out there that is sustainable. Uh, oh, and the Sky U-Pod, they're right on here with me. According to Husker Twitter, Nebraska has been the offseason champs for the past 20 years. That's pretty good. 20 years running as the uh, the offseason champs. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I remember all those September Heisman's Michigan won so, over the years. So, I'd like... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Zach, let's go to you next on this. Uh, your opinion, did Ohio State win the offseason? Yes, although I, ironically, I'm like, I think Nebraska did pretty well too, but that's uh, that's neither here nor there. I, I think the reason why they won the offseason is I think precisely what you were alluding to before, Mike, is that the fan base – in every way had a, just an awful taste in their mouth. And, you know, I'm also an Ohio state fan. I don't have the Ohio state logo by my name, but like, I remember coming off that Missouri game. I'm just like, this was, it it wasn't just that they got beat, but they looked so lifeless on offense and it, it felt like they got out coached. And we've been saying for two years, Ryan Day needs to to hand off play calling. And we wanted to see more fire and more passion from our guys and this and that and this and that. And I think all the things that they did, for one exception, which is really addressing the offensive tackle position, they they addressed it. Now, I, I don't know if I would say I like every single move. Um, I'm, I'm still a little skeptical about chip Kelly. I'm coming around to chip Kelly as the offensive coordinator, but I, I, I wonder just how much, how well he's going to adjust just to being an offensive coordinator. But I do think it's a plus that Ryan day has handed it off. Um, I think the, the transfers again, not a ton of transfers, but they were strategic. They were, they were, tactical missile strikes in a, in a lot of ways. Um, they raided Alabama when Nick Saban, I, and I think, I, I think that's the biggest thing too, is Ohio state was the biggest beneficiary of Alabama losing Nick Saban. 
So I think that really helps too. But I, I just think it was probably the biggest thing out of all of that was the morale boost of the program. Cause I think you go, you went from your rival just beat you for a third straight time and they won a title. Everything seems like it's on fire in terms of what you thought this program was. And then the response was, well, we're just going to reload. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. I'm convinced if Michigan wins again, Columbus will in fact be on fire. Like you've seen the forest <laughs> fires and stuff, and I don't mean to make light of those, but like you'll see the first entire city on fire. <laughs> uh, couches everywhere and not in a celebratory fashion. <laughs> it will not be good. No, it will I, not. I, I've been down, I've been in Columbus when we've had celebratory celebration fires of couches and angry fires of couches. So. <laughs> How can you tell which one is which? Uh, if you watch the game, it, depending on what the game outcome was that night, like I said, I've been down there for both of them. So it's uh, That's fair. <laughs> uh, Scott is in here saying what's all going on in Columbus is not even fair for the rest of the teams in the Big Ten. Uh, so obviously, Scott on the side of Ohio State there. SD, you've been rather quiet. You seem like you might have some thoughts on this. Uh, what are your thoughts? Did Ohio State win the offseason? Well, Look, one, yeah, I mean, the the talent they added, getting Caleb Downs, getting Julian Sayan, um, getting getting all these getting all these guys to stay, um, making some much needed changes to the coaching staff. I think they're absolutely one of the big winners of the offseason. But you know, Mike said something interesting about how, you know, he doesn't think Ryan Day's on the hot seat. To me, Ryan Day's seat has never been hotter, right? If he doesn't, if he's not one of the four buys in the college football playoff this year, like he's got to go from a neutral observer's perspective, you basically get better in every single sense. You get one of, one of the most brilliant offensive minds in the last 25 years to call plays for you or advise on calling plays, right? Your, your rival is depleted is going to take a step back. You're in the second best position in the conference to win the conference. You gotta, you gotta win the conference. You gotta get one of those four buys in, in this in this twelve team playoff. Otherwise, it's it's a massive failure. You have Michigan at home. You have you have a schedule that is tailor made for you to to just buzz saw through everyone. You know anything less than perfection, I think Bay's. I think you got to talk about firing Ryan day because you know, if he can't do it with this squad, what squad is he going to do it with? Again, I'm an outside observer, but it's just like, you know, everyone wants to fire Ryan day when, when Donovan Edwards is slashing is slashing up the middle for a 75 yard touchdown. But then, you know, it's, it's February and they get a couple players out of the portal and it's, and it's all kumbaya again. I just, you know, I, to me, to me, if Ryan Day is not playing for a national championship, he's 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 got to be fired. As a, as an outside observer, of course. I was asked that question point blank: if Ohio, if if Ryan Day does not win the national championship, is he fired? Which, first off, is just the most asinine question I've ever been asked in my life. However, it is relevant. <laughs> it's no, just it's- one of those. <laughs> I I scoffed at it, but then I also said, 
you're right. Like that's that's a good question to ask. And and I think Brian Myers puts it well here. Hot seat is relative term pre-transfer portal. Definitely get rid of him now. How many of those blue chippers follow day out the door? I really think a lot of Ohio State fans, myself included, looked at what happened to Alabama and said, hold on a minute. Like if Brian Day does say only make the playoffs, like Yes, everybody will be extremely upset if he loses his first game in the playoffs, whether that is with a bye or without a bye. Everybody will be very upset, but like, <laughs> is, is it really best to fire your coach when you've seen the mass exodus of what's gone on at, uh, at Alabama? Because let's be honest, Ohio State does not have a backup option like Michigan did in Sharon Moore, who was able to keep his guys, uh, or most of his guys, the only guy really left that, was of any note was Sab, Keon Sab, which we talked about last one. So yeah. uh what were you gonna say, Zach? Well, I was just gonna say I I think I I I'll push back a little bit. I I would agree that if they don't beat Michigan and they're not in the conference championship game, like it is a failure. I I think the one thing I am concerned about with this squad is like Will Will Howard's a good quarterback. He's not like he's not elite, I don't think. I think the offensive tackles are okay. Like I think if Josh Fryer is a tackle again, that's that's a major uh oh. And I like like I think there are guys that could replace him, Luke Montgomery. But like I think there is a reality. Like Caleb Downs was a great addition, but they didn't need a safety. Now they got the best safety in the country. So that's awesome. But like that, that's not where their problems were necessarily. Um, at least relatively, right. Uh, ransom was out for, a, you know, and that really hurt them. So I, I do think, you know, all the people saying that this, this roster is so much better. I would agree that they are a better roster. My, my one, my one word of caution would be, there are teams that have pieces that can that can make Ohio State pay. I think Oregon is one of them. I think Penn State might be another. Yeah, Mike, why don't you give us your final thoughts? We'll hit some comments and then we'll move on. Just to on this. the, I, I do agree with uh, Zach's points on the um, on the offensive line thing. Uh, offensive line, I am a little, I am definitely nervous there. I think that's the weakest part coming into, especially on the tackle spot. I do like them bringing in Seth McLaughlin, though. I think that kind of reorganizes the line some that, you know, now that they have a a steady player at center that they can kind of move around a couple of these. I actually think Fryer, at least kind of some of the stuff I've heard just from just listening to some of the, you know, the media guys here is that it seems like a lot of people think Fryer, they're going to really try him at guard, you know, at least going into the spring to see and give Montgomery a shot to start. You know, Simmons, I was very hard on him to start this season. I thought he was pretty good by the time the season ended. Um, you know, so I think they're fine there. They just need to find the other tackle spot. And I, I think that could be on the roster. I hope that we at the end of spring, if they don't have a tackle there and they have to go out and go get another tackle, then I will start getting really nervous again that, you know, see if they can hit on somebody in the spring transfer portal. But, you know, I, I think, Montgomery is ready to step up and I think that if he would get the starting right tackle spot and Fryer then would be moved down to right guard then I'm really then I'm actually would be really impressed with this what offensive line could look like and you know um and um 
and just real quick on uh on Spartan Dog, just on I don't disagree with you on the stuff on Ryan Day. And I've never said that we're not a bipolar fan base because we really are. And you know, if you're ever on Ohio <laughs> State Twitter during a uh a Saturday, you will definitely see that. Um, but uh I think the big thing for him is he's got to beat Michigan. And then obviously that gives him a little leeway where he could lose the following week in the conference champion, like if an Oregon would knock him off. Then it comes down to seeing what he does in the in the postseason and stuff like that. Um, from what it seems like, Ross Bjork really likes him. I mean, he mentioned him at his introductory press conference, like you know, only like thirty different times about how much he liked him. Where he was very uh, nonchalant about Holtman, and we saw uh, what happened. Uh, you know, ended up happening there. Um, so I, I think that uh, he he likes Ryan Day coming into this job. Where I would get nervous, though, is because of how, like I said, how bipolar our fan base is. That maybe if uh, things don't go the right way next year, him being a new athletic director, he will hear the outside noise from the fan base and feel like he's obligated to make a move. Um, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I, I do agree with you, though. He does need to win with this roster. I mean, this is... You know, arguably, you know, this in 2019 are his best teams that he's had on paper. You know, 2019, you know, proved it the most part. You know, they got to the playoffs um, and, you know, lost a heartbreaker to Clemson. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how this one goes. But uh, I think they're off to at least a good start when it comes at least to what the offseason is showing right now. Mm-hmm. At least off to a good start and off-season champions somewhere in between there. So <laughs> wherever you want to put them. Uh, Scott says, JR, no way I'm on the side of OSU. I just can easily see the juggernaut, the Buckeyes are building. Yes, I think uh, I, I apologize if I called you an OSU fan, Scott. I think you're an Illinois fan. but <laughs> uh, And Yankee Wolverine with some honesty here. Ryan Day is a great coach. He's a Michigan fan, by the way. Uh, the day he leaves Columbus will be a great day. Can't happen soon enough. If it doesn't happen soon, I can easily see him being the next Saban would not surprise me one bit. Wow, that is some high praise there from a Michigan fan. And Sonny, Ryan Day is just Kirby Smart from a few years ago. And once he gets over the hump, he'll be accepted as the elite guy. I think he is. Um, yeah, it sounds like Ohio State fans need to hold on to Ryan Day from uh, outside perception, at least from some Illinois and Michigan fans there. Uh, so Spartan Dog, I hope you're wrong that they... <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Day, if the predictions from the chat are true, because uh, he's he's got some uh, favorable predictions there in the chat. All right, let's go ahead of uh, and go to the next one, guys. UMass is going to the Mid American Conference. Normally, this would not be relevant Big Ten news at all. However, every season it seems like there are less and less independent teams. I think UConn and Notre Dame are the only independent college football teams left as Army has joined a conference the years before other teams did. I used to have the notes in front of me, but I, I don't have them anymore. But essentially, independent teams are are leaving independency and going to conferences more and more and more. So, Zach, we'll start with you. Does UMass going to the Mid-American Conference mean anything for the Big Ten? Um. In the short term, no, because I think UMass, like UMass doesn't move the needle. And I, I, UMass is not going to a conference necessarily to get playoff access. I mean, I'm, you know, obviously the, a group of five champion will get in, but 
it's rarely going to be a Mac champion and UMass has been terrible. Like they need to think about how can they win six games? Like that's their, that's, I think that's their, where they're at. I think long-term though, I, I do think there is a level of protection that comes from conferences, which I think I know where you're going with this JR, <laughs> which is there's a pretty big independent team that's in the heart of big 10 country that might yeah. be relevant. <laughs> so I'll just, maybe that's a tease for later, but I no, go I, ahead. If you want to talk about it, go ahead. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I can save some of this for for a little later, but I think I think long term it might signal like the reality that conferences can provide some protection uh, for the way college football is going. Interesting, Mike. You agree or disagree? Um, I mean, it's. I mean, I know or that I they were in your thoughts. Your thoughts, whatever. I mean, on the. It, it's it's the craziness with college uh, expansion, you know. I mean, I, I know that they were in the Mid American Conference football wise uh, a few years back, but you know, UMass in the in the middle of the country in the Mid American Conference team. That's that's kind of uh, funny to think about. Uh, it doesn't really do anything for the Big Ten, just uh, uh, UMass in general. I mean, I guess the one thing to say is that you know you're still going to have a couple non-conference games on your schedule for these big 10 schools. So you may as well probably get plenty of opportunities to play big 10 schools. So, I mean, I guess, you know, Ohio state might see UMass in a couple of years, who knows that I guess that. So, um, I mean, it is what it is. I, I don't think there is going to be any independence left. Uh, there's a couple left. I'm surprised you kind of still holding out there, but yeah, I'm probably there for trying to figure out what's, uh, which one of those of these conferences between Conference USA and um, some of these other ones that uh, is probably the best place for them to go? But you know, I, I know where we're going with this one too. So I, you know, yeah, you know, I'm ready to talk about that one though when you are. So, <laughs> well, SD, if you know where we're going, you go ahead and uh, start us off here with the independents leaving. Obviously, Notre Dame being the biggest independent still remaining there. What are your thoughts on that? So you look at the independents that are left, right? Notre Dame and UConn. They're not, they're, they're independent for different reasons, right? Notre Dame is independent because it wants to be independent and it still makes financial sense for them to remain independent. Okay. Until Notre Dame starts getting shut out of scheduling and schedule in joining a conference becomes a necessity for them to, to just like have 12 games, right? 12 games that are quality enough for them to be able to qualify for a playoff spot. Let me preface it that way. They are going to remain independent. And I'm perfectly okay with, with Notre Dame remaining independent. You can't, you can in a special scenario, right? Because football is, is far, far, far away from the priority for the university of Connecticut, Right. I think that UConn learned their lesson prioritizing football when they moved to the American. Their basketball program suffered mightily in the American conference. I mean, they were not the same program. Part of that might have something to do with just Kevin Ollie, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact with the competition they were playing and the draws they were getting, right? They, they, UConn loses those rivalries, those historic rivalries that they had. And now all of a sudden they're playing like USF and like 
Tulane. Like it just, it wasn't a fit. So I think UConn would much rather fold the football program than, than put them, than put, you know, the basketball teams in a position where they're not as successful as they can be. I truly do believe that. So unless, you know, one of the G5 conferences is willing to take on UConn as a football only member, which I don't think they will, you know, it, it's going to be t- it's going to be tough for UConn to justify joining a conference in in, in for football related reasons. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean that makes complete sense. Um, and I don't think UConn would ever be a viable addition for the Big Ten uh, basketball wise. Sure, but you know, um, UMass, like Mike was pointing out, being in Mid American Conference just doesn't really make sense. But who knows? Regionality is basically dead in these conference realignments now, so it could definitely be something that would happen. Notre Dame, Notre Dame seems like the much more viable option here. The chat is uh, mentioning all different kinds of things, and Scott even just said that he believes they'll be in in the 2026 season. So, uh, Zach. Uh, you go ahead and make your comments now on Notre Dame. Are they going to the Big Ten, or do you think they'll just keep being independent regardless of what it means for their program? Yeah, it, so all the way back when USC and UCLA joined, I, I actually recorded an episode right after it saying the Notre Dame, this is the first time Notre Dame needs the Big Ten um, and they've that they've needed a conference. And the I, I want to be be careful because a lot of Notre Dame fans will say Notre Dame doesn't need anything. And I want to define need because do they need an SD? I appreciated what you were, you were saying, because does Notre Dame need from a financial perspective to join a conference? No, like they don't, they, they have all the money, they have alumni, all that stuff. But I, I think from a football perspective, and I think you see it with their football program. I think to get to the next tier, they actually need to join with a conference to share conference uh, resources. And the conference that makes the most sense is the Big Ten. Uh, a friend of mine sent an article saying that Notre Dame could be the savior of the ACC and that could keep Florida State in the ACC. And I read it and I was like, it made some good points. The problem is, I think, for Notre Dame is that if you go to the ACC, you're – I don't think you actually gain much from joining the ACC. And, I, like, it's not a strong foundation. The Big Ten is the stronger foundation. The Big Ten is going to give them more natural rivalries in football. So I I don't I, – I think for the future of their football competition – and their access to the playoff and to buy weeks or to buy buy games that they would win the con- win a conference championship, at least in this current iteration, it really does not make sense for for Notre Dame to not join the Big Ten. Now, all that being said, money talks, right? And that's the thing that's keeping them from it. And I think that I think fan support. A lot of fans don't want to see them go. Uh, leave their traditional independence, but we just got done talking about how tradition is really going by the wayside in college football. And so I, I think push comes to shove. It's going to make more sense for Notre Dame and their football team to be a part of a conference where they can share resources and share TV markets and all that stuff. And it's, it's, it's where most of their natural rivals are going to be. 
Yeah, I, I, you make some great points there. It makes the most sense for Notre Dame, I think, to come to the Big Ten because if they do try to be that savior of the ACC, then, I mean, if it falls apart around them, then they're the only ones in there, right? I mean, Florida State could boot and all these other things. So, Mike, your thoughts on Notre Dame possibly leaving their independence for a conference, say, like the Big Ten, possibly even the ACC? Um, so I definitely agree with uh, what Spartan Dog said that – uh you know, they are going to stay independent as long as they, you know, can stay independent for. Um, so kind of what we were talking about earlier about how when this eventual kind of breakaway, whatever it's going to get called, happens when, you know, the SEC, Big Ten kind of form their own thing, which I think we, you know, it all seems like that it's eventually is going to head some sort of in that direction that at that point, Notre Dame has to try. Uh-oh, do we lose Mike? One of those two. Oh, there Not be, they're going to want to be uh, included in that big boy college football because, you know, that's where all the, the glitz and glamour and everything else is going to be a part of. That's where all the big brands are going to be. I don't think them staying, them joining the ACC is really going to, is really going to matter much because Florida State wants out. I mean, I don't think anything could save that now. I mean, I think that relationship has been burned so bad now that I think, you know, Florida state, they won out. So I don't think Notre Dame can save that situation. And, and honestly, Notre Dame, they're not going to sign up with the ACC if that grant to rights stays the same way. So like, you know, they're going to have to renegotiate the grant to rights to begin with. And then the ACC might end up blowing themselves up just in the processes of it because it's not going to stay out till 2036 i can tell you that much um you know notre dame will is not going to you know strap their rights away for that long um so i i think it's eventually there they are coming to the big 10 it's just a matter of when and i'm not doing the prediction thing with that you know it could be in two years it could be in five years like i i just think that the way i see how the sport is going that we're going to kind of have that NFL style, you know, AFC, NFC. And so whatever, whatever one, the big 10 of the, it is, is, you know, I think that's where Notre Dame is going to eventually end up, um, you know, but which honestly I'll be happy with, I've been one of them in the big 10 for the longest time. Um, yeah, I get their fans point of view that, uh, that I, you know, they like to be independent, you know, and they, and yeah, they do make good money being uh, independent. I, I still think that if they were in the big 10, it's, I, I think it's still like almost 20 million more if they were in the big 10 though. So it's like, plus you get the, you know, all that bowl revenue that you're sharing between all the bowl games that your teams are in and the playoff games and all, all that is shared in the big 10 and stuff. So there's a lot of extra, extra money that would be coming into them if they ended up coming into the conference and, you know, and if they do want to eventually come back to the Notre Dame at all of old, they gotta they're gonna have to fix some of those uh kind of their old school ways of thinking about some of that stuff. So, you know, you know, bring them on, man. I want to see Notre Dame in the Big Ten. Uh, Mark is making some good comments here, so I want to give uh some some notice to to him. 
Here he is. Notre Dame got a new AD, which is true. That's also something that needs to be thought about. And the ACC is the next conference to crumble, in my opinion. Once the SEC and Big Ten break off, Notre Dame will join the Big Ten. I think that is the biggest thing. Either that or what Spartan Dog was saying with the with the scheduling. Those are going to be the things that really force Notre Dame to do something about their independence and join one of those two. Notre Dame seems like a better fit for the Big Ten. That's where their rivalries are and USC and Michigan. So you could definitely reignite those and start playing those. Well, they play USC every year. I know they haven't played Michigan in, what, five, ten years or something like that, somewhere in that range. But um, And then another piece of this as well, somebody, I can't find the comment, somebody posted it earlier, but uh, NBC. NBC is is doing a lot with the Big Ten. They, they are financially connected right now, and that's who Notre Dame is financially connected with. So it's very possible that we could see Notre Dame figuring something out with NBC and NBC saying, hey, why are we paying you to be on your own thing? Why don't you just come on over to the Big Ten, join here, all be together. It benefits both sides. Uh, it just it, it all makes too much sense for Notre Dame to not eventually join the Big Ten. I agree kind of doing the timing thing is dicey to figure out but you know uh it, it looks like it's coming sooner rather than later in my opinion so guys let's get to the last one we'll stay on conference expansion a little bit here the big 10 is are they poaching sec teams so greg swain put out a tweet where he was talking about the big 10 and the sec going after big 12 and acc schools but he also said that the big 10 could go after potentially some sec schools that one being in particular texas a&m now there are some rumors out there that texas a&m was not happy that texas joined the sec because they enjoyed being the lone texas representation in the sec with texas joining now there are two teams from texas in there and i know some people were saying well arlington isn't a big enough market for the big 10 with how they're going after markets but if you realize where arlington is uh basically right in the middle of houston and dallas which are two of the largest uh, markets in, in, in uh, the sports right now. I think they're like six and seven or something like that in a list I looked up. So if they're right smack dab in the middle there, that could be something that the Big Ten might possibly look at. Spartan Dog, we'll start with you. Do you believe the rumors that the Big Ten is interested in adding Texas A&M? So we ran a little long here tonight. So let's just let's run through this quickly. No, no, and no. Uh, look, whatever it doesn't make sense for the big 10 to poach Texas A&M because that is going to undermine whatever breakaway league comes out of, comes out of this, this current mess. Right. So, you know, Texas A&M, if this is true, Texas A&M is running from the grind. Shame on them. Uh, Texas is back in the conference and they're already looking to escape. Not a good look. Uh, But I'm not, you know, I'm not taking this rumor seriously. I think it's pretty much, I think it's pretty much hearsay. It's kind of like, it's, it's kind of like, you know, would you be interested in, on, on going, on going on a date with Florence Pugh? Yeah, I would be. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> oh, good point there. Spartan dog. Yes. Uh, that, <laughs> excellent. <laughs> Uh, Ali Bob was in the chat. He says the Aggies would never be admitted to the Big Ten, not in this or any 
universe. Academics still matter in the league. I do think academics still matter somewhat to the Big Ten. However, I do think those have been lessened uh, due to the TV coming in. Uh, <laughs> Wolverine academics. What is that? <laughs> yeah, it's not talked about very much, but I like to think that they do matter at least somewhat. So uh, we'll see if uh, you know that is really a factor to them. But Zach, your thoughts on Texas A&M? Do you believe that they would be uh, that the Big Ten is interested in adding them to the league? I, you know, I can I could see a world where the Big Ten might float it out there. But I, to me, as I as I thought saw that rumor, I'm like. What what benefit would it add to Texas A and M? Like it's not like they'd be fleeing the ACC. Like they they'd be fleeing one of the other pillar conferences for a conference where they have no natural rivals and no natural recruit. Like it, it to me, it doesn't make any sense for Texas A and M to make the jump. So that I I mean I I'm not convinced that the Big Ten's interested either, but I. I can't see a world where Texas A&M, even with their hatred of Texas, like I, I just don't see a world where this benefits Texas A&M at all. Yeah. Um, a few more comments here. Scott, Texas A&M is in college. Oh, I'm sorry. I said Arlington college station. It's in the sticks. middle of nowhere. Keep the Texas teams down South. And that's kind of what everybody else is saying. Texas A&M Rutgers is a big 10 <laughs> conference game. <laughs> Uh, and Sean is speaking what essentially everybody is thinking right now. Stop. The Big Ten does not need more teams. There are too many teams as it is anymore, and the schedule becomes unworkable. Uh, it, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's basically like you need to have a 12-game conference schedule instead of a nine at this point, the way everything is. And then and then Mark makes a good point as well that TCU does own the Dallas market, but they don't have the AAU status. Otherwise, I think the Big Ten would take them would be smart to get into Texas for recruiting purposes, though. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting things with it. Again, I don't know how much the academics even matter all that much anymore. Nebraska doesn't have AAU status, but they did when they came in. So uh, what's going on there with that? Florida State doesn't have AAU status, but they're being seriously talked about as possibly coming in. So it's all it's all crazy. Mike, what do you make of the uh, Texas A&M rumors? I, the only way I think it made it makes sense. It's just that, yeah, I think the big 10 would love to get into the Texas market, but they, they honestly, they blew that chance. How many years ago? I mean, let's not forget. They had the first shot at Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma approached the big 10 first and the big 10 said no, because Oklahoma didn't have the AAU status, which was kind of ridiculous to me because, you know, I, I think that you know, that would have got them into Texas. Plus they would have helped Nebraska out because they would have gotten Nebraska, you know, into Texas to be able to, you know, bring more people in there. And it just, it would made, it would have made more sense to, you know, help out one of your teams out there to, by bringing in a couple more schools out there. So they blew the opportunity there. I think that maybe they would have considered this in a different world, but I think that it's dead once the the SEC and the Big Ten came up with this partnership because you know I, they're not going to do anything to you know this isn't the you know the Big Ten screwing over the ACC and the the Pac twelve or Big twelve yeah it was the Pac twelve with that uh that alliance thing that they tried to do a couple years ago um you know so. Uh, you know, them and the SEC, they know there's some serious issues coming into college football, and that's why they did this partnership. So, I mean, these are, 
you know, Petiti and Sankey are, you know, they're, they're the adults, I guess, in the room, and they're not going to do anything, either one of them, to kind of blow that opportunity, blow that issue right now. So I, I just, I don't think it's a, it's a possibility at all. And if that wasn't the case, though, then, then yes, maybe because they would want the Texas recruiting market. But that yeah, would be I, the I, only I, thing I would see. Yeah, I, that that's what makes the most sense is like giving into Texas for recruiting. But even then, it's like, uh, it, well, how much of it really is a benefit? Teams can still go down into Texas and get teams right now. And with the schedule being 20 plus teams, how often are you really going to be playing in Texas? You know, I mean, like how much is that? is really a big deal for them. So uh, I, I personally don't think the Big Ten will be going to SEC country to poach any teams, number one. I don't think they want to mess with the SEC since they're kind of working together right now. And number two, uh, I just I feel like they kind of have their own teams that they're going after, whether that be Florida State, Notre Dame, Clemson, Miami, whoever it might be, Virginia, North Carolina, that they're kind of going after that it, it doesn't really make sense. So, yes, Texas A&M can think, well, we don't want to be uh, in Texas in this conference with another team. But, you know, guess what? USC didn't – rumors were USC didn't want Oregon or Washington to come over. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure USC is glad that they're in the conference instead of, you know, one of the Pac-3 right now. <laughs> so, it is what it is. Uh, any more thoughts on if uh, the Big Ten should be poaching any SEC teams before we get out of here, guys? Nope. No, they shouldn't no. do it. I mean, again, it's just going to undermine whatever breakaway league comes out, which means they're probably going to try to do it because and technic- again, it- the stupid, the stupidest people are in charge of the sport. <laughs> and, t- and technically them going after Florida state, Florida state's not an sec team, but it's sec country. So it, you, you kind of get the same results by going Florida state that at least you, you set yourself up into the Southern for in Southern recruiting territory without trying to sabotage the sec so you know so i think that's that is the more uh that makes a lot more sense to go after florida state yeah agreed it does it does and they want to get in florida somehow whether that's with florida state or miami or possibly with both so all right good discussion there guys hey thank you everybody for joining us for the big 10 huddle zach why don't you tell people who are still listening uh where they can find uh big 10 football talk yeah, so mostly uh, via Apple or Spotify. Uh, we do some stuff on YouTube too, but we'll be posting, uh, try to post an episode every Monday morning. Uh, so not live, but pre-recorded. So make sure you join us. Sometimes we'll have uh, JR or others on as well. So uh, definitely come check us out. Good times. Thanks. Uh, SD, where can we find Bacon Wire? Uh, you can find Bacon Wire on Twitter at Bacon Wire. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Uh, you know, recording weekly meltdowns about MSU basketball. It's been really fun. Um, and yeah, I'm on Twitter at SpartanDog97. Very good. Uh, Mike, tell us about uh, bar Buckeye Bar Talk. <laughs> yep. Uh, so uh, me and my brother John, we do uh, Buckeye Bar Talk. Uh, we have uh, we're on YouTube, uh, so just search out Buckeye Bar Talk. Um, and then we're on all the podcatchers. Uh, we don't do live shows, uh, even though we might maybe in the future start doing them. But uh, um, but so yeah, they're pre-recorded. So YouTube and Apple, Spotify, every other podcast, uh, you know, you'll find it there. And Buckeye Bar Talk uh, on Twitter is the the handle. And, uh, you know, we're, we're really active on Twitter. So come out, follow us and, uh, look forward to talking big 10 football, big 10 sports with everybody else. 
Very good. Thank you. And yes, Jackson, I was going to mention this before we get out of here. 72 subs away from a thousand guys. Uh, if I can just be sentimental for a moment, when I started this podcast, never in my uh, life or anything like that, did I imagine that nearly a thousand people would subscribe to me talking about football uh, or basketball this much, but you all have done that for me. And I so much greatly appreciate you. Uh, we are in the talks with possibly getting some sponsorships and, uh, that is just that's huge for the podcast and getting to a thousand subscribers is huge as well. So uh, I try not to get too sentimental on here because I know not everybody wants to see, uh, you know, <laughs> a grown man talking and, and uh, tear up at all or anything like that. But uh, I do appreciate every single one of you. I appreciate all of the guests who come on here. We have a great time. We love talking Big Ten football, Big Ten basketball. Thank you so much for joining us. Please do like and subscribe, comment. Let us know your thoughts if you didn't get them in the chat. We appreciate it. Have a great night.